This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to a Thursday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. On the line right now, Kelly Dwyer. Kelly, good evening. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Uh, how long have you been writing about basketball now, Kelly? Because I've been reading you since Ball Don't Lie so days long. on Yahoo. So long. long. Longer than anyone should admit to. The 90s, <laughs> even. A, the nineties, a, a, a turbulent decade, I think. Possibly, I've been retold it was turbulent. I wasn't paying enough attention at the time. I was too busy printing out old stats from Reggie Theus on AOL. Yeah, ninety-seven is when I started up with on hoops, and then uh, uh, later with uh, Chad Ford's old website, NBA Talk, and then had a, had some wonderful times at Sports Illustrated. And yeah, the the late uh, and much missed ball don't lie. Yeah, man, you've been you've been all over the place. But how is everything going with the Substack and um, the second arraignment? Oh, I I dig it. It's it's I get to finally I, Yahoo didn't hold me back. I just kind of held myself back. And and uh, this new thing is funny. It's it's just it's not goofs. We take it seriously, but we're not going to wring our hands out uh, over the the minutia and freak out over when things are going right. It's, uh, the second arrangement at tsa.substack.com. It's a pay site. It's $5 to get in and, and, uh, you're how you'd be helping out an independent hoops guy. But yeah, we do, we do behind the box words. I'm in the middle of season previews right now. Uh, it's a blast. This game gets new players every year. I, I, I'm just endlessly smitten. Are you still doing like the extreme late nights of what happened last night? Or is that still going to be a thing for you? this year oh yeah yeah as much as possible i'm gonna go to a few more games this year than i did last uh-huh. year down at the pacers place uh but yeah the staple of the side is behind the box floor. just uh, have some fun with what happened last night and uh, uh you know let people know what's uh, what, what what counts and what doesn't because 82 games is 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 way too many well i've got great news you're in a state um where the team that plays in your state is actually going to be in the NBA finals this year. So that's, that's exciting for you. Wow. That, that is that that's, I mean, it happened once before and they didn't let me mm. in. And again, I was, I was 19 at the time, the Indiana Pacers. Wow. That's, that's, that's news to me. Yes. Yeah, so I am all in on the Pacers. They're not on my list. And just to give um, some insight into what Kelly and I are going to be t- talking about tonight is basically five teams th- uh, each that we don't really have a full handle on that we're curious about that we're going to try and talk through um, ahead of the new NBA season. But the Pacers are not a team that I'm worried about, that I'm confused about. I, I think if Victor Oladipo is back to who he was two years ago and he's able to come back sooner rather than later, Malcolm Brogdon stays healthy. Um, I really like that core and I still think there's a possibility that they end up being able to move Turner or Sabonis for a Jalen Brown type. And if you can shore up that wing spot with somebody like that, I just, I really love that team. I love how smart that team is. I love what Oladipo did in that series against LeBron a couple of years ago. I'm like just the biggest Oladipo stand. And if I had to think of someone in the East to make that jump, who is that all purpose player who can shoot who has the just his Pujit three game from a couple years ago is just so much fun to watch and just how fast he plays and just how much of a good teammate he is and how much everybody loves playing with him I think that guy is just a budding top five top ten player um and waiting for him to stay healthy and then the defense is there they're never going to play a bad player like that's something I really value and the Raptors were able to do this last year is that like when you have the kind of depth around a superstar where 
at all times, they're just going to have smart players around him. And that's what's going to be the case um, with McDermott and Sabonis and Turner. And just you go up and down this list and it's like, oh, these are all great role players. Jeremy Lamb, like everybody knows their role and everyone's a smart, competent NBA player. I just, when I look at the East, I, I'm the Bucks are on my list for a team that I want to talk about. But like the Pacers are not. I If Oladipo is healthy and he is close to what he is and he's able to get there by playoffs next year, I... I just really, really love this team. It's just concerning as all. That means that the big wave of rush of media is going to harbor in, in Indianapolis for, for a week and a half, <laughs> at least if we're counting the Eastern conference finals. And I just don't think this town is, is, is ready for that. Sure. That's going to mean more lift money for me, but that's Indiana in the finals. So you're just, basically saying Oladipo, no one can stay in front of him. He's got mm-hmm. a season on the shelf where he's just basically pick his spots and he's just going to just tear it up from April 18th all the way to the middle of June. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. I just, I mean, smart TJ McConnell's got to play smart for me. He's, he's a little, uh, he's a little too funky sometimes with the ball confident. I don't think Doug McDermott gets confident anymore. I don't think he's been confident since he started drawing a paycheck TJ Leaf, uh, I mean, I, I guess we'd have to expect a burst out of him. Same with the mm-hmm. holidays. Uh, I love holiday the finals, too. Do they have the link to do that? I do. I, I, I don't. Think... I don't care for the older one as much, but the younger one is. It was quite delightful to take in last year. I, it, but it depends on that front court. We have no idea how Sabonis and Turner are going to play together. If they're the greatest thing ever, then yeah, we should push fifty-four wins even up without Oladipo. Yeah, and I mean, what is, are you getting a sense whether or not they prefer one more than the other? What is your gut? Who do you think if they if it comes to a point where they have to pick between one of them, who who would it be? Oh goodness gracious sakes alive! They've they've already sunk so much into Turner, but <clears throat> sometimes that plays against you. I don't think they're going to go down that path. I I would I would guesstimate knowing how well Sabonis played in his spurts that they would probably feel more comfortable casting their lot with the unknown as opposed to Turner's eventual ceiling, which, uh, you know, we could be at, but, uh, so he's a supersonic Robert Ori. I'm, I'm down with that. I'm, I'm, I'm giddy to see what they did. They, with what he does with Samanis, my TJ Warren is interesting to me because Bogdanovich yeah. got out and guarded people and he was a bummer of a defender before he came to Indiana and he decided, okay, Nate McMillan was telling me I'm good at this. So I'm going to start defending. And he did. Jeremy Lamb disappears for games, so I guess he might fit in with the Pacers. And Brockton's <laughs> an absolute badass. It's just, yeah. can they do that for three series in a row? If Victor Oladipo is healthy, yes. Yeah, he kind of stunk before he got hurt last year, though. He was I he know. was pretty testy. So um, I know uh, that's that's just I, I don't I don't know I don't know. I don't. Know. I understand I, this is it, kind it, of a it, check, it, but the, like the I don't. Turner thing is so dynamic; it may not matter. Well, I don't know if I'm a, I'm not a believer in those two being front court mates for the long term. But then again, you look at the the way the East hierarchy works. Like, if you're the Pacers, you're thinking about the Eastern Conference semifinals where you might get matched up with the Sixers. And guess what? The Sixers are building. Basically, they're a, a bigger and better version of what the Pacers have in Sabonis and Turner with Horford and Embiid. Can you imagine just like with how far we've come with basketball, like the Eastern Conference semifinals just has this juggernaut of two teams that are just doubling down on size and smarts and defense like the Pacers and the Sixers would like it would be so aesthetically unappealing. <laughs> but I am very much here for a series where it's Sabonis and Turner versus Horford and Embiid and seeing just how that would look and how it it would work. 80% of Indiana Pacers postseason series are horrific, you know, <clears throat> horrifically unappealing in, as history proves. I mean, yeah. they were no fun under, under Obi, under, under Donnie Walsh's guys, under Larry Brown. They've never been a fun playoff team. I didn't really find the Reggie Miller theatrics all that fun. So, <clears throat> you know, just the fact that we've got four pudgy guys slapping around and tall guys <laughs> slapping around in the second, the second or third round, that, that'd be fantastic. I mean, the basketball talent has never been greater than it is right now, but you've still got to fill out 30 teams, and sometimes you take got to take the best player available, literally. And Sabonis is the best trade bait available, and, uh, you know, Horford was available for the taking on the free agent market. I don't know if there's so much doubling down as it's just like, we got to get these players because the other options 
especially as they were for, for Paul George a couple of summers ago, seem rather lousy. But, uh, I, you know, the bumps in one head filling the holes in the other. That's what I keep going back to with these two. And uh, I, I would love nothing more for them to figure it out because they both certainly have their drawbacks. Let's say Sabonis for Jalen Brown happens midseason. Does that change the way you think about this Pacers team and their ceiling? Uh, not especially because okay. uh, because I, I you just asked me that question. So I, I, how am I supposed to give it? It's the burden of hand thing with Sabonis. It's always going to be that the idea that he can get better and get better and get better. That Jalen Brown seemed to, to you know kind of tail off or plateau last year. Uh, at age three, but how much of that was that horrific atmosphere that he worked out of and everyone else yeah. struggled through. Did they need another hotshot swing man when they just gave all that money to TJ Warren? They think they can be cheap and get that out of TJ Warren. So I, 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 think I, don't, you can play I don't know both. if they do that, but, uh, I, Oh, in these days you could play, uh, uh, the entire holiday family at the same time, <laughs> get away with it. It's, but see, it's, I would it's, love yes, a definitely turn in... younger with those two up front. Yeah, I mean, I would love to see what Warren, Brown, Brogdon, Oladipo, and Turner looked like in a closing five. That's a really interesting, switchy, competent closing five. And I I would love to see it. That's what I'm hoping for. I just really want to see a Jalen Brown for either Turner or Sabonis trade happen. I really, really want it to happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's it's a nice town to be traded to, and, and, and that means yeah. I get to see Jalen Brown a heck of a lot more often. It's it's just uh, boy, oh boy, it's a, dealing dealing a seven footer. It's just it, it's just the hardest thing to do in this league. And and even if someone like TJ Leaf comes out of nowhere and his plus minus stats are wonderful, Turner and the best things sliced for those two. And just look at the numbers. Just look at the numbers. Then you pull Sabonis aside and you see those bridges, You know the, the the broad shoulders, the NBA shoulders next to. TJ Leafs, you know, still should be in UCLA shoulders. I, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. I'd like to see how they both. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in favor of uh, maybe trades every four years or something like that. I want to see how these both those teams work out. That's fair. Well, I don't think I'm going to swing you on the Pacers being the favorite in the East, but I do want to um, kind of get your get your perspective on certain teams in this league that you just don't have a handle on right now and you're intrigued either in a positive way or even in a negative way. So who's your first team that is on your list that you're just like, I, I don't know what to think of this team right now. Well, I'd like to, let's, I can't believe I'm going to say this. Let's keep talking about Boston. Boston seems they have quite a bit of talent. It just seems, as with last year, that so many things have to go right and that they seem to be depending on the absence of a drag uh, doing all that turning for them when our buddy Brown has to play better. Tatum has to, to – he, he sort of turned it on as the year moved along, but he's got to quit with the head down stuff. Hayward has to pretend like he enjoys the sport of basketball. And Walker's <laughs> going to have to they, – they seem to envision a whole new role for Kemba. And uh, that he can almost be this off the ball fellow, which which I'm fine with. It'll extend his career. He'd be as potent as they come at it. But uh, you know that's going to take some some getting used to. So I, I'm I'm interested to see how they handle the scrutiny early on, especially if they're playing some games on TNT in January where they're you know pushing 500. I can't imagine that they're so talented, but. <clears throat> Boy, that a, a lot has to lift, and you can't blame Kyrie forever. I don't think Kimba is going to be an off-the-ball guy. I've listened to a lot of smart people talk about this. I've watched a lot of Kimba Walker. I've talked to executives in the Hornets administration, previous administration, about Kimba and different guys. And, like, I... The the narrative around Kimba is that he had to be the ball-dominant guy in Charlotte for years because of the talent around him. And that, I think, was true to an extent. Um, there was that year with Jeremy Lin that was great where he was able to play off ball a lot. And Jeremy Lin was perfect. And Kimba just had this great pick and roll um, function with Cody Zeller. And it was fine. It worked. He still did not play a bunch of off the ball, but like he is a pick and roll maestro. He loves playing in the pick and roll. I think he just is someone that prefers to have the ball in his hands. And he can say all the right things right now that, look, he is someone that 
theoretically should be a great off the ball player. Like he should be someone who's able to catch and shoot and do stuff um, away from the ball. And it should be a situation where Hayward can create and Jason Tatum should be able to bring the ball up and Kemba just go and do different things like flare screens in the side. But I don't think that's what's going to happen. And I think you're going to see pushback from Kemba on that. And I think it's going to drive Boston fans crazy because (laughs) he's not, wired that way i mean he has been playing in the nba for a long time who he was at uconn who he was at charlotte for him to just change on that front at this point in his career seems very unlikely to me i don't think that's going to go well and i think it's also something that's going to ultimately harm the celtics future because for jason tatum to really get to that next level and to get to that point that we thought he might be um based on that playoff series from a couple years ago I don't know how that happens with Kemba. He has to be a ball handler. He has to be someone that can bring it up. He has to get to that lead point forward type role that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and guys like that have had. And if he's just a guy who's just away from the play and he gets a couple sets run from every night, but he is someone who floats and goes in that Harrison Barnes auto Porter role, that's a problem because then they don't really have any young core guys that, that really matter. Um, I don't know. I I'm just, I'm very low on the Celtics right now. I think they'll win games. Uh, I don't know if Walker is going to, to me, it's not going to be pushback so much as when you're playing off the ball and you're trying to dig into the style that, that Stevens wants, you have to watching Hornets games last year was just watching him come to the ball in the backcourt and then walking the ball up. He just had, it. it was just always there. So if you're committed to a possession and playing your role and doing your thing, if you lose that half second, where you doubt yourself, not even moping, but just the, the you know the absence of mind, then the whole thing's shot. And it doesn't have to mean mean him missing the screen. It's just uh, you know if he's not a threat the full time, it's going to be harsh. But Stevens had a whole summer to think about this. He's had a whole summer to to try and uh, uh, you know turn him. Maybe it's a first and fourth quarter thing with him. I don't, I don't, I don't know. But they're certainly going to try it. And uh, and wins aren't always the answer to that either. So uh, I I don't get. I'm not as I don't. Listen, Bob Williams is good. Bob Williams is good, and Daniel Tayus is good. I don't think they're going to even mess with Ennis unless they have to as a score, as a goofball. I, I think he'll be in the rotation every night. I think he starts, but right? I'm, I'm not in a big hurry. Oh, well, if they, yikes, if they're going with that, then, then go with that. But I, I don't know if they're, I mean, just, I think if, if they can ride this out with Teus, speaking of, of, you know, clearing out room for, for everyone, I, I think they'd be better off that than trying to mid season. I mean, you want to give these guys training camps. They're not all Marcus all. So, the bonus would be lovely for them. I'd just rather they be lovely for them right now and then it's February. I think Hayward's getting traded midseason. I don't think there is any point. Man, like this his is contract's a busy not that trade bad. deadline. Huh? This is going to be a busy trade deadline. Yeah. I mean, I think that they're a team that has to make a move, and I think the Heat are just sitting there with another move to make. And we know how Miami felt about Gordon Hayward a couple years ago. And I think he fits more in Miami at this point with where Miami's at. And if you're able to do a Jimmy Butler um, core with Gordon Hayward, just on the wing with those two. And then I, I don't know what you'd have to give up for Hayward at this point. I don't think you'd have to give up a lot, but I, I don't know. I think that's a possibility. I just don't think Hayward makes sense for this team anymore. And if he's like, he'll probably start at the four and it'll be him either Tice or Canner or maybe even Robert Williams. And then you have Jalen Tatum, Kemba, and then somehow Marcus smarts in there. Like, I don't even know who their best closing five is going to be in crunch time. Like I I'm still haven't figured that out. So if Hayward's not going to be utilized as the first guy off the bench and leading that second unit, I don't really like how he fits in with the starters. I just, it's going to be hard because of his relationship with Brad Stevens, I'm sure. But if Hayward gives the okay to get moved for a better basketball situation for him, I don't know. I think the Celtics are not done remodeling. Um, I don't think they're going to rebuild, but I think they're going to do some more remodeling and more refurbishing. And there are teams like Miami that are out there that are more than happy to absorb somebody like Hayward because his contract only has got one more year after this. So I, I don't know. I think 
the Celtics are a good choice here because I think that there are still like 19 more moves for them to make before the season's over. Yeah. You know, you know that they know that they think smart can do all the stuff that Hayward's doing right now is this as uh, incomplete a uh, uh, basketball player as Marcus Smart can be sometimes. Uh, but, uh, well, you know, we'll see these Gordon Hayward loves two pointers and Miami is, uh, no income. You know, yeah. Well, that, that, that'd be an interesting, interesting pair of, and also, you know, they got all those little rookies they can build up. You can have these great random TNT games on a Thursday that they can throw in. So yeah, that's, uh, we're going to have to watch Boston again this year. Drag. Yeah. I'm, I'm out. Um, my first team, the Utah jazz. I don't know how you feel about the jazz. I don't. I have a lot of questions. I think a lot of people, people I agree with, people I like, Matt Moore has them tied for the top spot in the West next year with Houston, regular season-wise. Oh, wow. And I I could see it. I could see this team winning a lot of regular season games. Um, but I just, it, it depends on how you look at them. Like, I think they're going to be a good regular season team. I don't think, <sighs> Donovan Mitchell did not look great this summer in FIBA. I didn't love what I saw. I mean, I don't know how much to take away from that. I think there might be a ceiling on how much of a contender you are if Donovan Mitchell is your best player, but I don't think he'll be their best player this year. I think there's a chance he's their third best player. And then you go back to, well, if Rudy Gobert is your team's best player, what is your actual ceiling? Because Gobert has just been their most valuable for the last couple of years. And then you throw in Mike Conley to the mix and you're like, okay, is Mike Conley their best player? And then how far can Mike Conley at age like 31 um, bring a team in the West? I I have a lot of questions. And then how does he work off ball? Like it's the same Kimmich questions where it's like, is Mike Conley going to be able to thrive off the ball and let Donovan Mitchell be the ISO guy that he's been accustomed to being the last couple of years? Um, can you close with Bojan, who it seems like you like from his days in Indiana, and Joe Ingles on the wing? Can you survive in the West with those two on the wing? Um, I, I don't know their depth, not as great as it used to be. They used to have like four point guards they could go with. They had all this depth in the wing. They had Derek favors. They had go bear. They can go big. They can go small. They can just fill the, the just have Tabo Cephalosha and Jay Crowder and all these different dudes out here that could come out and, um, just play and thrive for this team. And they could just, Quinn Snyder could be extremely interesting in the way he uses lineups and his personnel. Now they don't have that. Now they're they're less hoxie during that Boonholzer era and far more thundery. Um, where it's like they're they have a couple really, really good players. They're gonna be a great defensive team, but the depth is not there, and they're gonna be playing a lot of questionable NBA talent um a lot this season. And any kind of injury to their top three, I think really, really just derails this team and I, I don't know. I, I have more questions about the Jazz than I think maybe most people do. They'd either be a top flight, <clears throat> beat all the mid-ranger uh, regular season team, or, or it sounds like something will have to come together after a rough regular season, and they'd have to bank on mismatches in the playoffs. I, I don't know. Mitchell is going to be tired. He looked tired last year. I don't think there's an all-star ready to come out of that, but he looked tired. Maybe he can get a bogus injury and sit for a bit, but it's just been nonstop with him. A lot of players had sophomore slumps last year and, and you know, he didn't really respond well with scrutiny. And like you said, yeah, he wasn't great in the world. I, if he, if he's a better Trey Burke, then okay, then let's figure out a way around. That. Oh God. And, uh, <laughs> if, yeah. Well, why not? I mean, Trey Burke is, has proven to be an a you know not so bad player himself. It's 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 just how these things work out with these tweener guards. If 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 you're not going to be lights out like Damian Lillard from long range, right. if it's not going to be always there, uh, then it's just going to be rough out there. Uh, I think Conley will be fine off the ball because I just think he'll be wickedly efficient enough. I, for some reason, I don't wouldn't fret about him as nearly as much as I would had they snuck in Chris Paul or something like that. It's just he can play off there without having to be the martyr. He can he'll widely see the angles on plays. He'll why he'll let other players make reads. Uh, but they have Ed Davis too, and any team that picks Love up Ed, Ed Davis. Davis picks him up, I just reckon is going to win like sixteen more games no matter what. So. Maybe the 16-win push, and then they, they're out in the first round. Hell yeah, Kelly. They're I didn't know I had another Ed Davis stand on this podcast. 
oh, he's just wonderful tip-tapping out there. He's going to earn them so many extra possessions. And mm-hmm. when you've got a team full of guys that can just stand around the perimeter, you pair him with Bogdanovich, you play him with Ingles, you know, guys who hit threes. Mike Conley, who hasn't touched the ball in 48 seconds. Yeah, he's he's just wonderful fun entertainment to have. But I don't know if that karma is balanced out by Jeff Green being picked up by then. But, uh, you know, maybe it evens out this year. I'd love to see him make a run because I'd love to see that team being more full of, of uh, answers and the questions. I, 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 I don't like the backlash against Donovan Mitchell because, you know, a lot of it's really not his fault that maybe we didn't accurately represent him amongst all the fun and hype that we were having watching this wonderful basketball player play his butt off. So I hope to come down as hard and then we're knowledgeable about it and kind about it. I think there's a real chance he's, he has the lowest real plus minus of their starters this season, which is wild. He was third last year. Well, they're um, going to play in the West. So like, I mean, yeah, gonna, it's, it's, it's a dog fight except for two teams and he's going to be playing the, the most uh, hottest trottiest of the minutes out there. So yeah, sure. I mean, but then you got a wonderful solution to have. It's a wonderful problem to have. You got a bunch of ball handlers on that team. You got Exum, who apparently you still have faith in, and you got guys who know how to make reads. So, uh, you know, maybe let them watch for a while. Let them go with three guards to let them see what's going on. You know, get them off the ball and figure something else out. At some point, he's going to turn his hands up and go, this way isn't working, and he's going to be humble enough to, to dig in. It's just how capable is he going to be with that shooting stroke. Yeah, I mean that's that's the jazz ceiling is does he become a forty percent three point shooter? Does he track up seven threes and hit four of them a night? That's that's how they get to the next level. And if he doesn't and he's not that guy and he's like you said, more of a a better version of Trey Burke, well then the Jazz are a great regular season team and have no shot at real contention in the playoffs and their whole rebuild is in serious trouble. Um who's your next team? I mean, another thing with him is he might just look down south and see how Houston's handling James Harden and, and thinking, well, maybe I can be this playoff guy and I can just take a chill. Uh, I mean, if we, I could do fish in a barrel and go with the Knicks. I don't, I don't understand <laughs> how it, it, the, the proof was right there in front of the, the, the way to go was right in front of them. They just had to look toward Brooklyn. And I'm not saying he had to have this incredible scouting staff and, and be on the lookout for the best hires around, which Brooklyn did for years and years and years. Anyone who was a number four suddenly became a number two over there. But you have to make a compelling team that looks solid on paper as if it's you know it's some form of balance. You just can't sign offer sheets and players and options to, to play basketball together. It's... It's cynical and it's mismatched and it's been worth every bit of scrutiny they've they've gotten so far. But it it's finally the reification, the the sort of acknowledgement of the culture there that 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 every player and their representative wants to avoid, if at all possible. Just this uh, you know rich drunk uncle in the corner that no one pays attention to, even though he's money bags. It's 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 a heartless situation that these fans have to go through there. And uh, even with how awful it is, and uh, yeah, they can make out of it with some nice trades and more ballast for the future, but uh, yeah, it's, it's just more talk, more nonsense, and, and it's just a, a, a disheartening, cynical situation out there that isn't <clears throat> reflective, it doesn't mirror New York's best cynicism and, and best strain of disheartenment. So I'm, I'm I'm disappointed in that. They at least deserve something that's that's not hopeless. And even with lots of money, the Knicks failed to bring that to New York this year. I don't know if they have enough power forwards. What do you think? I mean, they did, they missed out on Aminu. He got down to Orlando. That's going to haunt them. (laughs) It's fish in a barrel, but, but you can't do this. Like, okay. So people think they're going to trade D'Angelo Russell after he hops up with his trade value. Okay. So that goes on, but you can't, teams aren't going to work together because they're adults and they know better. And, and the players on this team, I really like, I want Bobby Portis to do well. I want, you know, Parker to, excuse me, uh, 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 Randall, excuse me, to keep it up. I'd, 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 I'd really like 
that they everyone knows. Everyone knows. Everyone's smart these days. Everyone knows where everyone's going. It's 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 and and the players are going to play like that. It's going to be cynical. It's going to be bitter. It's going to be icky. And uh, and uh, it's I, it, at some point it has to be compelling again. And it just it won't be that because it's such a dark dark situation there. It's just it doesn't feel like this team was put together with hopes of one day making something that people could root for. It it it, it seems like it was you know corrected instead of put together. It seems like it was fixed and 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 readied for a press release and palatable language. And and uh, it's a bummer because again, all these players, Taj Gibson, they're all wonderful people. I don't think they have enough two-year and one-year contracts on this roster. Like you go down the list, Julius Randle, two years. Portis, two years. Morris, one year. Um, and also a team that uh, your three highest paid players where they're making combined $40 million in Randall, Portis, and Morris, that's a, that's a problem. Um, Taj Gibson, two years. Alfred Payton, two years. Wayne Ellington, two years. Um, even their young guys, guess what? Their contracts are up in two years. Frank Nilakina, who I still like. Dennis Smith Jr., who really sucks. Kevin Knox, he's got three years, so that's cool. But ultimately, all of these guys are off this roster within two years. Like, they... They have no young pieces that I think are... It depends on how you feel about R.J. Barrett, but he just had one of the worst in the leagues. The most lamented, least-liked pick, yeah, in the draft, and last year was the worst rookie we've seen in ages. It it, it can't even get cute. Alfred Payton deserves better than this, and Does he's he? been terrible. But I'd love to see him play wonderfully somewhere, free of... Uh, I would really like to see him back in New Orleans. But yeah, everyone here deserves better... And everyone's going to play like one and two year contracts. I just, it's so sad. It's dark times in New York. It's, it's, it's bad. Uh, so I think you, you're very familiar with Robert Silverman of the daily beast and knicker blogger alum, correct? Yes. Yes. So he was in the podcast last week and we were talking about the Knicks and it just, it got extremely dark, extremely quickly. And it, uh, I just, I don't know how, they rise from the ashes here anytime soon. I mean, I guess it starts with James Dolan's on the team. Oh, but like, you can't say ashes around him. He just quit smoking. You can't say that. You just <laughs> Did he quit you smoking? Can't, you can't let him. You know more than I do. Yes, and it's just one thing that just fires him up more than anything is just for people to both just puff around him and exhale with these tails of smoking. So yeah, that that may have been why it got a little dark. Oh shit! I did not know this. Okay, well, interesting. Good for Bob and. uh that's something uh, to ask him about later. So interesting. See, we're learning all kinds of new stuff on this podcast at all times. Um, my next team, the Milwaukee Bucks. We've hinted about them a little bit. I hated their offseason. I think what happened here is a travesty. And we've seen this with so many teams, small market teams that get a superstar, get really close. And then it just becomes painfully obvious this person is leaving after their contract's up, after their second contract's up. And I think Giannis is gone after this contract ends. I think he can say that he loves the city and he can blah, blah, blah. We've seen this story before. I'm not buying it. I love the Bucks fans. I love Bucks Twitter, all that kind of stuff. But like, I cannot believe they let Brogdon go. They kept Bledsoe. Um, you had to pay Middleton. That is totally fine. I get that. Brooke Lopez, are you betting on him having the same type of year again this following year? You signed his brother, Robin Lopez. Sure, whatever. Um, I don't like. I don't know how they're going into 2019-2020 with Wesley Matthews and Eric Bledsoe as their starting backcourt. I, I don't know how they're doing it. And it must win year. Everything is on the table. Like They have to make the finals to have a shot at keeping Giannis. And they're close. Like Giannis and this team was just a regular season machine. We know what Mike Budenholzer does in the regular season. He is the Alex Smith of NBA head coaches. All he does is win regular season games. Um, They're betting a lot on George Hill getting back to who he was a year ago. Because guess what? No Brogdon. So George Hill, time to step up and be Malcolm Brogdon this year. I cannot believe they got worse when the rest of the conference got worse. And all they had to do was do a little tinkering and just be a little proactive. Like, how is Chris Paul not in the conversation? What are they doing? Why are they not just getting more creative? And they're just operating like a team that thinks that their window is just going to be around for the next couple of years. And they just needed more veterans. And Budenholzer is going to bury more of his bench guys. And I, I don't know, man. I, I'm just, I'm very out on this Bucks team. And if I could just pound the, they are not making the finals uh, gavel, I would do it. But I don't have said gavel. But I am just, 
I am very much out on the Bucks, and I think they just what what the hell, Bucks? What a terrible off season. I'm just shocked to find out that Alex Smith was good. I I, I hadn't learned that about his career. I I missed out on all of them. Yeah, I'm Alex Smith wins regular season games. Regular you, season. Yeah, he is an egg, he is a regular season oh, well. monster. That I mean that that's that's well, that's wonderful news for 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 a a person whom I was asked about about on a radio show in 2005 and I had to pretend I know knew about football. I know about basketball. <laughs> Malcolm Brogdon's good at it. I think Bucks fans should be really pissed off at their ownership. You, you can blame to the new blame to the blame toward the new GM all you want. Uh, you know, they've uh, born on third base or home run and call themselves a silver slugger. However, that saying goes because Hammond is the one that brought in Giannis. Uh, but I, I think Wesley Matthews, and Eric Bledsoe will be a fine backcourt. It'd be awful oh, watching God. Wesley Matthews shoot 38% on the season and 36% from three, but they'll be fine because the best player in basketball is right next to them. He's just going to make up for so much. Is he going to make up for deficits and ad, you know adversarial situations in the third round of the playoffs? I'm not going to bet on that, but I am going to bet that they're going to win a lot of basketball games this year. I do agree with you on that front. And that's just by virtue of Giannis being an absolute monster and Chris Middleton being being great. Like those two will keep them at the top of the Eastern Conference. They should win the most amount of games in the Eastern Conference regular season again. Um I think there is a case where they don't do it and it's the Sixers depending on the Sixers health, but um I don't know. I just this was dumb and they're going to have to I, I I just I think they missed their moment. I'm Last year was probably their best shot, and I don't think they're going to get there again. I, I just poor Giannis, poor Bucks fans, but this I feel gets darker as the season goes on. Um, who is your next team? Well, I mean, just if you the opposite of, of thinking about a calming beach is you're trying to drift away at the end of the night. Just imagine what Brogdon did for them last year, and yep. then imagine George Hill in a Kings uniform, and that was. Two years ago, he was in a Kings uniform being that bad. He didn't get any younger. He just had a really good Eastern Conference final against Toronto in a losing effort. So, yeah, I just just worry. I don't even think about the free agent thing with them. I just, just, again, with you, is that their chance? I don't know. I have another team on here, and I hate to say it, but it's it's Minnesota. I don't Mm. think they think they're any good. I think they're just going to try to get this crazy – outsized, plays more minutes than anyone at an acceptable rate year out of Carl Anthony Towns. And, uh, you know, that's kind of what they've had to rely on because I, I don't know if that coaching staff is just going to throw in a new book every week with them. Uh, and uh, I, I wouldn't blame them if they tried because it's still kind of a rebuilding year. But uh, Layman's an interesting pickup. Vonley's an interesting pickup because they obviously need someone to maybe kind of replicate what, you know, Carl Anthony Towns does with his black hole, but Covington was was kind of uh, with them last year, and and uh, Wiggins. I, I don't think anyone can can. I don't think you can lean on Wiggins to just be acceptably better than he was the year before, even at what is he twenty four. So I, I I worry about them just in that conference. I I worry about them moving to that side of town. It's not the people that live there. I just worry about those cats on the side with that three-way intersection there. That's what I worry about with them. And then, and uh, again, a young coaching staff. I like the heck out of Ryan Saunders, and I don't think anyone else should be coaching that team, uh, especially with equity that they've already put in with Cat. It's just, ooh. Cameron Reynolds kept them in some games last year, and they lost him. So, well, they got Jake uh, you know, tell, tell me why I should be more optimistic. Oh, that's right. He, he, he sometimes plays. Tell me why I should be in on Minnesota because it's a wonderful town. I want to go drive there this year. I think you could be. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns is just a must-watch from a league pass perspective. Like he is someone that he's just he plays like a guard. Like Anthony Davis has a lot of this too, where he's just so fluid and his footwork is so um, incredible for a player his size, and he's just so fun to watch when he's offensively cooking that. 
he is a good enough reason to go watch in person um wiggins he gets another coaching staff he had that like one random game that i just happened to tune into from last year it was like the the i think it was the thunder versus the the obviously the the timberwolves but it was a home game for the thunder and wiggins just went off and it was one of those things where it was like oh this is what he could be this is the mayville jordan stuff and then we never saw it again like he's just he's so frustrating and i just can only imagine what it's like for the timberwolves front office in that you see the those little blips where you're like, oh, if he had if he had that same fire, if he had that Kawhi Kobe type mentality every night, the Wolves would be scary. Like him and Towns would be an extremely scary, interesting team. And then you add Jared Colburn in the mix. I I just don't think there is a case for that. And I wonder Jeff Teague has is on expiring for nineteen million. You have Gorgie Gang, uh, who just one of the worst contracts in basketball. Shout out to Thibs. He's got another year on this contract. Covington, who did not look great last year, I still like it at that number, $11 million, um, and I still like Rocco a lot, and I think getting another year with this group, he'll he'll be fine. Shabazz Napier, big fan. He's like one of my favorite third guards in the league. I, I think the he'll be fine. Josh Kogi is interesting. Um, Jordan Bell, um, he might play a little bit next to Cat, and we'll see what that looks like. I don't think there's a path to them making the Western Conference playoffs, and their biggest trade chip is jeff teague and i don't know what he really garners you on the market so i i think they're just a tbd right now and the clock's ticking because you got towns is happy there and he'll get to the next contract and all that but i don't know i mean wiggins is that the most untradeable contract in basketball what do you think oh well i mean Someone will, uh, by the end of this podcast, will have proven us wrong and, and dealt for it based on the little quirks that you recognized in that Thunder game or one of what nine other games that, that year. I have them yeah. down for thirty-six wins, and I just feel like I had mm. to put them there. Like I don't know how I can explain why they'll get there. Like all the players, you, again, like you just mentioned, Napier Napier is going to be so much fun off the bench. I don't know why he keeps bouncing around. And uh, wow, Bell next to Cat would be outrageous. But but boy, oh boy, it's tough out there. And for some reason, they got to play in the Western Conference. I can see the Hornets trading for Wiggins. Like that's the only team I think dumb enough to do it. I think they're the only team that would absorb Wiggins and go with a Terry Rozier, Andrew Wiggins backcourt in 2019. That's it. I think it's the, the Hornets make the most sense. So what are the Stone Age teams? What are the Isaiah Thomas is run like? So Charlotte's a Stone Age team. They trade oh, absolutely, for Jeff Green in the second. They trade for Amaru Wiggins. Who who else is out there? Washington isn't anymore. They finally no. got rid of Grunfeld. Well, Grunfeldian. Uh, Cleveland, we don't know. New York, maybe. It's hard to tell because it's so. New York, I think qualifies. So I don't know. I mean, they're probably really bad. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they this summer proved it. Who else? Detroit, maybe? Boy, I don't know. I mean, the Lakers probably. If the Lakers ever had money, if they had, like, not let's go get LeBron money, but they had, like, money money, like New mm-hmm. York had this year or something like that, I, you know, if we got to see some mid-range signings from them, I think we'd be really disappointed. Stuff that, you know, oh, it wasn't a rich Paul client, so why do they, why, why? Yeah, Detroit, maybe. I don't know. It's, it's a, it's, there's a, there's a lot of bad ones out there. That's 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 a that's a barren system uh, in in and I mean for all we know Tommy Shepard could be could be Mr. Orthodoxy in in Washington. Yeah, Charlotte would, would definitely trade for Andrew Wiggins. I I feel like uh, you know all it takes is is one uh, free week of league pass and, and cup checks on the phone. Absolutely. Um, my next team, the Dallas Mavericks. Find out when those weeks are. <laughs> and then swoop in right then. Dallas. Wow. Tell me why they look so potent. Well, that's why I think they're interesting is that there is a scenario where KP is fully healthy and he is right back to who he was before the injury. And he is shooting threes at a really good clip. And the pick and pop between him and Luca is just scary as hell. Like we just have to see it. And then we're all like, oh, Dallas is a playoff team. Like it can happen like that. We see that every year. There's a team like that where they get healthy and then they have some young talent that just hits. And then you're like, oh, this works. Like, how do you stop this? And there is a scenario where Luca and KP are that good next year. And then it's like, oh, can they make the playoffs if you have two top 15 guys in the West? And 
the West is so brutal that that still might not be the case. Rick Carlisle, though, in his first 14 years in the NBA, he only had one losing season. One! He has had losing seasons his last three years. I I start to wonder of like, what if he just, what if he never gets back? What if they can't get back over the hump? What if they need a change? What if they um, need to move on and make some some changes there and that this is not the guy anymore? I, I don't know. Like, I still love Rick Carlisle, but it is interesting that um, things have just been so rough for him the last couple of years after just smooth sailing um, beforehand. I don't like their wing depth. I don't like Dorian Finney-Smith being a, an important contributor. I don't like uh, Courtney Lee and Tim Hardaway Jr. and those guys in the edges that they're going to be relying on. I don't like the fact they paid Dwight Powell. You didn't need to do that, and they did it. Um, I'm not sure about Seth Curry at the the years that he got. I I am sure that Luka and KP, if they're healthy, is going to be a dominant force. And I just, I wonder if that's enough to be a 500 to a couple games over 500 look in the West. I, I don't know. I mean, it would have to be the scenario with Chris Stapps that you mentioned. Then he'd just have to play major minutes. It would just have to be the bruising statistical effect of his greatness, just, just dragging them to 42 wins. Uh, yeah, it's weird because like when Cuban bought that team, it just they went out and traded for everyone else. They just traded with everyone who wanted to trade for for years, and now they're just really insular. And, and they bring back guys like Curry that they've already had, and they bring JJ Barea back, and and uh, Dwight Powell for terms that he, yeah, that's okay, but he's your guy. These are all their guys, and uh, a lot of them are like you said are going to be lining up to shoot jump shots from twenty five feet next year. And uh, I don't know if I trust uh, Justin Jackson and Tim Hardaway Jr. and, and uh, Justin Jackson, Courtney sucks. Lee. Holy cow! Mike Wilbon's favorite player. Yeah, but he tries. He's fun to watch. He tries, but, but yeah, it's going to have to be a, a really, really top-heavy affair. But maybe that's enough. I got him for 36 wins. I just, as you mentioned, the brunt of that conference. There's just never a night off until you play Phoenix, when there's definitely a night off. KP before he got injured was averaging 22 and six and two blocks a game. He was shooting 40% from three at age 22. That was the last we saw of KP. He added 16 pounds. They're talking him up. If he gets to like 25 and Luca's doing 20, 21, 22, seven and seven. I, I think there's like, are they really that much worse than the, the Kings at that point or the Spurs? Like their top end talent is suddenly like, oh, that might be enough when you look at that that eight spot. I think they they have a realistic path to the eight seed. I think more so than the Timberwolves, who you have as a very similar record um, than the Mavericks. I think they have more upside, um, and it just depends on KP's health. But I, everything surrounding KP right now seems pretty optimistic. And I, as the president of the Luca fan club, and the Hawks never deserve great things for what they did, and I will never move off this this category um but i i think there is a path to them winning 41 42 games and that's interesting i I just i hope it works for with those two because it will be fun as hell to watch a dirk steve nash like thing happen again in dallas yeah because acl that's doable he's not coming back from a miss i'm an excuse me a meniscus issue. He's not coming back from a stress fracture. People have come back from ACLs and been fine once it's repaired. It's a bummer of a thing, but once you're back, you're back. And yeah, he seems like he's ready to hog minutes. And Luca, who's also been playing nonstop all, uh, yeah, seems seems ready. Cause it's just there's just no ever 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 time off in that conference in that division and anything, but, uh, you know, that's what Carlisle's paid for. Maybe he was put on this pristine earth to bring back some Rick Adam and stuff and, and make fun with, uh, with those two again. I just, I did that, that ugh, it's, it's, it's weird that it's so reliant on them after they've had this long to put together a capable outfit with, like you mentioned, all these chances to, to bomb around in the draft or to, to it just, they've drafted so poorly for decades now and it's it's just really giving them nothing to work with them from from the you know the the minor leagues on up. It's just salted crops there. So glad they're some able to turn some of that flotsam into Kristaps. But uh, you know New York would happily pay that price because they got to sign Kevin Durant last year. Who is next on your list? Oh wait, no, that, that was Brooklyn. That was, that was Brooklyn. Brooklyn. 
Uh, I mean, I kind of feel bad shooting fish in a barrel with, with, with Phoenix. I did, but just why do you have to trade for, for Baines when you can just, if you want a mentor that can kind of not really play, go for Joe Kim Noah on the minimum. Why? Yes. It's James Jones. If, I was reading seven seconds or less again recently, and they he just talks about it. James Jones is like the last one to practice and noted for his uh, lazy habits when it came to garnering the, you know, scouring the videos that Mike, uh, Mark Averone was put together. And now he just apparently impressed so much within that locker room with his, apparently he get to stand up once a month to give speeches that people were laughing at. But it worked with Robert Sarver, which I guess shows you what kind of uh, person and personality and, and taste uh, mongers that uh, Mr. Sarver is. And, and for the billionth year in a row, Phoenix is going to get uninteresting basketball. Like, yeah, they got Ricky Rubio, and I love Ricky Rubio, but Ricky Rubio is a Ricky Rubio point guard. He's unique. He's not like going out and getting the your typical NBA-capable point guard that runs a pick-and-roll a million times. It's not like you're going out and getting a DJ Augustine that can pass more, something like that. You're getting Rubio. He's weird. He's wonderful, but he's weird. He's not orthodox. I don't know if that's the best thing to get. If you want to keep Rubio in the fold, keep Mr. Josh Jackson. Uh, he must have been that bad that they had to trade him. But if you want to get weird, keep those two together. But Rubio with Aiden, I I suppose so. I guess so. Maybe they see something I don't, or maybe he was just a big name and they kind of had some money this year that they had to spend. Uh, I have them winning 20 games, and again, that feels kind of chirpy for me. See, the thing about the Suns is... um, That that means they have to be better. And I don't even know if I believe that. Um, Everything about this team sucks. And I... I feel bad for Monty Williams because it was this or the Lakers job and it's it's unfortunate that he was he got the the Suns job because one of these um like obviously coaching LeBron James and Anthony Davis and the expectations there would have been tough it's going to be a, a just a, a really difficult job especially with Jason Kidd being on that staff and being like the head coach in waiting or whatever with Frank Vogel um Monty Williams is getting fired like I don't know when but it's it's happening within 2 years and there is no path to this team getting in the playoffs in the next two years. The West is too brutal, and I don't. I feel bad for Devin Booker. I feel bad for DeAndre Aiden, but that is not enough. They have not done enough. They hired Jeff Bauer for his 19th GM job. He is the executive vice president of basketball operations in Phoenix. Um, he has been bad at his job everywhere he's been. I don't know why he keeps getting jobs, but he he does. Um, I. There's nothing I like about this team right now. I think Ricky Rubio will help them. He might get a couple wins. Like at least they have a point guard. They just didn't sign one last year, and that was just unbelievable. They were starting the French kid, who the lefty. Um, I remember watching a Suns Hawks game, just being completely <laughs> perplexed about who they're running out. Epco, what is his name? I forgot. I already forgot what his name was. But we yeah, probably won't uh, see him. Uh, uh, they list him as a forward now. Do they really? That's how bad he was at point guard. Is he going the Boris Diaw route? Uh, no, it may have been just this the summer, the summertime uh, look at their NBA.com slash roster page, but if Adam listed as a forward, which I was happy to note. But yeah, they're just they're they're just they're cynically put together again, but they've been cynically terribly put together. It's just Frank Kaminsky had a million chances in a bunch of different roles in Charlotte to try to help them win games. They put him in a bunch of different situations and it was just like, now nah, this, maybe this will work with him someday, but not, not here. Kelly Oubre jr. Was a wonderful little uh, delightful dash at the end of last season. I hope he doesn't lose his wits. The bridges kid is fine. Tyler Johnson's a weirdo, uh, you know, but it's just not, there's no, joy there even with rubio there because it just feels so like you said with williams so unsteady they're, they're they'd have to have extreme luck to to get any advantage in this business because having that front office is just leaving them a step and a half behind it's it's sad because phoenix needs to be good at basketball and this is just <sighs> robert sarvis just uh, he's he's a bad basketball owner and it's hard to get around that and <sighs> I don't know. the The Suns are just depressing. I, I I was so wrong about Josh Jackson, by the way. 
I was a huge Josh Jackson guy coming out of Kansas. I I, I was all over the Jackson hype train, and uh, he's probably going to be out of the league very soon. And I, I I still can't. I will blame Phoenix for that one. I, I refuse to take complete blame in my miss on Josh Jackson being a potential superstar in this league. Oh yeah, he could he could become a baseball player, and you he would still. Uh burn Phoenix for that one. It's that I, I wouldn't trust any judgment of any player that had to spend time there. Uh, it's, it's, uh, they know what's up. Players know what's up. So they're going to refurbish their front office and it's going to be more hands-on and James Jones is going to be the modern NBA guy that we just can't keep up with yet. Well, we're, when we catch up to him, yeah, you know, Javon Carter, they could have got Javon Carter at any time last year and just been a capable team on the point guard, but no, there's such a terrible team. My cat is hitting his head in protest on the desk. <laughs> um, I'm going to combine because we're running long. Are my last two um, teams that I'm just confused about. Um, the Toronto Raptors and the Oklahoma City Thunder. And I think I can group them anyway because I think they both have a point guard that they can move. They have some young guys that need to play. But they also just they have assets and they have all these different options to move guys. They have Danilo Gallinari on a expiring contract who will be extremely intriguing to a lot of contenders. Then you have Marcus Saul, Serge Ibaka, Kyle Lowry on the Raptors that are, um, that um, are on a, their expiring contracts and could be extremely helpful to the right contender. I don't know what they do with Steven Adams. I don't know what the Raptors do with Pascal Siakam. I don't know how you handle the OG Ananobi stuff. Is there another level he can get to? Is there um, another level that, um, you know, that uh, Terrence Ferguson or uh, Andre Robertson, if he can ever stay healthy, is there another level he can get to? Like, I think both of these teams have a bunch of intriguing trade chips. They both have a shot at making the playoffs, depending on what they do before the deadline. They also have two very bold forward-thinking general managers and Presti and Masai who will gladly move on and do extreme like if Presti is calling or Masai Ujiri is calling it's probably best to hang up because it's hard to see winning that trade and then you think about okay what how does Shea and Chris Paul work does Chris Paul want to be a part of a rebuilding project in, in Oklahoma City should they theoretically just go for the playoffs even though they have no shot at winning the title should the Raptors go for the playoffs and see what it looks like with og and pascal and this veteran core without Kawhi. what what it when teams in the city know that they can't win a title anymore like i i just think they're both so fascinating i think they both could do a lot of damage at the trade deadline this year and i think both futures are bright i just don't know when they really go with that full tear down and when they really dig in and stamp uh put put their stamp on another era um as gms of their team I don't. I mean, I don't think they know, and that's the best part about it. As you noted, Presti and especially Ujiri are just—they're not going to be—they're uh, not going to cling. And it doesn't mean they're being ruthless, and it doesn't mean they're trying to, you know, break it up before the party's over. They're just—they're just ruthlessly honest. And uh, you know, it is fun to be on the other side of the phone with them when they're trading you Victor Oladipo though, or when they're not saying they're making bad moves, but the teams that are going to be on the other side of the phone with them are going to get a Serge Baca. They're going to get a Marcus Saul. They're going to get a cute kitten coming into the room. They're going to get, you know, they're going to get Chris Paul that might still work in certain systems. Clippers were a really good basketball team uh, when he was running them. That's not far away. Harden is a weird guy to play next to. So, yeah, they might ravage their 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 next foes, but uh, you know they also have some really intriguing players to run. And like you said, Siakam, whom everyone adores, you know what what why do they have to hang on to him? It's it's from the bottom up. A uh, 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 it's a big it's not a big training camp because it's they know that these teams as constructed can win forty odd games in their respective conference. I think the Thunder them would just be killer with Gallinari. And, and Paul until they make someone else's day by sending those two away. So it's a weird proactive league. And I, it's, it's, it's like you mentioned, it's going to be really cool to see how they circle these two knowing about the history, but also knowing, Oh man, I could get Chris Paul out of this. 
Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, what is Chris Paul's value? What do you think? If you're a contender, do you think, like, I mean, where I want him to end up is probably not going to happen. I just, I would love to see Bud get his hands on Chris Paul and see what a Chris Paul Middleton Giannis triumphant looks like in the East. I think that would win a title. I really do. Um, but I don't think it's going to happen. I That'd don't. be beautiful. Yeah. I think he'd be right? wonderful there. It would solve so many problems with the Bucks, but I just, yeah. I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. He's the perfect high usage guy for, for Budenholzer just to run his schemes with. He'd be wonderful in that. He'd, he'd genuinely be doing what Oscar Robinson did, just backing his butt in every so often and, and making it work. Yeah. He'd be fantastic there. I've, I've, you know, recoiled the sight of watching Chris Paul play basketball for a long time. I don't know if, if Miami's the trip, but I, 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 I just, again, I'm wary about midseason trades. You have to be of a, 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 a stern stuff to handle these coming in from either side. So if they haven't traded him now, I just worry about him. I, I don't know. It's, I, I'd like to see what they do because I think they value him. I think they understand that he's the way back to the playoffs and that you just don't get a Hall of Famer all the time. It's not like you're cracking in on some random Penny Hardaway contract or something like that. This guy's a big deal player. He's supposed to win a championship a year and a half ago. And, and you know, why not see where that goes and, and not force anything? And so after it's proven that he can drag a team on his own for 80-odd games in the playoffs and then see what happens at the weird draft next year whenever they have it. Would you max out Pascal Siakam? In this economy, yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? You can you can build off that. For you've elevated him in his status. You're the team that found him. You're the team that put the ball in his hands. You're the team that said yes. And now you think he that you that this guy's a max player. That's going to reflect on on the league and how it values it way more than what he does in a basketball game. Is games on ABC count for double. They always will. And and uh, he's if you if you want to get rid of him in a year and a half or, or earlier than that, he's going to have that gleam because you put a max deal on him after considering him the guy. So, uh, yeah, why not? He's a, he's a fine player. He's a modern day James worthy. And, and, uh, I, I don't see why this has to stop for the next two and a half, three years. Okay. Well, Kelly, this has been great. I appreciate you taking the time to kind of get through, uh, you know, get shake the cobwebs off and get ready for another great NBA season. I'm excited. I'm excited that we're able to talk about this kind of stuff and it not be so far out that it's kind of depressing. But um, this was this has been a lot of fun. Where can uh, just to remind the good folks, where can they read your work right now? It's the best thing about this. Yeah, it's wide open in terms of everyone can win a championship this year, but it's really wide open. It's just one to 30 fun, maybe not the Hornets, but it's fun to see what Kupchak will trip on. So it's, yeah, it's, it's wonderful to get to talking about this game again. Uh, I'm at tsa.substack.com. Just go over there and, and, and see what I do for free and thinking about contributing. We don't have venture capitalists behind us. It's just me and this keyboard and a lot of funky thoughts about this game that I'm obsessing with. Uh, I also started a podcast there called the Never Too Much Podcast, which is just a few minutes long, hence the name. Also, it's, also it's a Luther Vandross song. Uh, you can get all that for five bucks a month, which uh, is nothing. It, it genuinely is. Go to store brand something for a few things. They make like really close Excedrin on store brands now. I highly recommend it. Use that savings and get a bunch of free bas- or funky basketball stuff in your email box every morning. TSA.substack excuse me dot com second arrangement all right well kelly good luck this season if we don't touch base before then but either way i appreciate it go read kelly's work go subscribe to the Substack, and uh, read the second arrangement kelly um i will talk to you soon all right that'll do it for today's episode of the chase Thomas podcast thank you again to our presenting sponsor ponko chicken um thank you again to all of my awesome guests for coming on the pod um and don't forget if you like today's episode and you are an apple podcast listener please leave us a five-star rating and a review it helps um you can also find us on google play spotify chase um where you can access all of my previous episodes and read all my work. So Chase Thomas Podcast slash page hyphen 11. Um, so go do that. Read all my stuff. Listen to the podcast. 
um, all that good stuff. Uh, also follow me on Twitter at chase double underscore Thomas, uh, like the Facebook page at, uh, facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer. And, uh, also follow me on Instagram at chase double underscore Thomas. All right. Thanks so much guys. And I will have another episode for you very soon. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.